who's been covering all the MCU. It's been Disney Desk all along. Do, 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 do. Who's been covering every film? It's been Disney Desk all along. They're so studious. Ha, ha, so articulate. And you haven't even noticed that they say, like they say, like they say, like a lot. Bum, 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 bum. Okay, thank you. That was great. 10 out of 10. Um, yeah, see, that was a good one, right? Sorry, my face is falling off with laughter right now. Um, wow. No, that was great effort. I wasn't expecting you to go into, like, a bridge, you know, or, like, verse two. <laughs> I was going to do the whole thing, and then I'm like, no, no, the last intro went too long. I got to cut this one down a little bit. Thank you for acknowledging officially that we say like too much. Yes. Um, well, and every time I listen to because I go back listening. I listen to all of our episodes, and mm. every episode I, like, cringe, and here I am saying, like, and how <laughs> much we say like. Uh, but you know what, Carter... Do we say like a lot or are we conditioned to feel shame from baby boomers? I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a whole thing in my middle school where they would get on your case if you said um too much. And it's like, okay, some people aren't perfectly articulate. Some people need to like gather their, their thoughts. Yeah, they have to like, you know, stabilize their brain to go to the next thought. And I was also I'm, shamed for saying um and like a lot. I'm going to be honest. I edit a lot of them out. <laughs> I've gotten a little chiller on it just to save time. Because the last couple episodes, we've kind of been flying by the seat of our pants in terms of, like, right. turnaround time. But, yeah, I, um, I've um i edited a lot of them out. That's saying something, because there's still a significant amount of them in. <laughs> well, I'm look, I'm not a pro editor. I'm an amateur editor. Welcome to the Disney well, desk, everyone. I'm Carter. <laughs> and I'm Sydney. And welcome back to Marvel Minute. Yes, today is a very special edition of Marvel Minute because today we decided we want to do a retrospective recap of all of the, you know, I really am tempted to call these miniseries, but they're really not officially miniseries. They just feel miniserie-esque. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of one of the points I was going to make. Um, okay. As a snob who's kind of tired of prestige TV. Right. Okay. So, but anyway, yes, all of this, um, these phase four series that have been rolled out really over the pandemic, but um, they were on the docket even before we knew we were doomed to hell. Um, Yeah. The original thought was we would do them as they came out, but I think a good opportunity came up with She-Hulk being the last one of phase four and there being- right no official start time for any of the others other than like vague dates no um, this just seemed like a good punctuation point for this what what we call a marvel experiment with right. their content because as like weird as it is to call the most successful media sort of enterprise in human history like up there with james pond and star wars as weird as it is to call anything they do an experiment this was a big change like Disney Plus becoming a thing just kind of cracked open an entire new iron vein, basically for the MCU. Like right. it fundamentally changed how they approached content. It fundamentally, especially when combined with the pandemic, it changed how we endure, it, it like engaged with Marvel. It mm-hmm. basically ended every other TV project they had. Um, right. Yeah, and we will dive deeper into all of these thoughts, because I also have thoughts that that echo a lot of what you just said. Yes. Um, I think to start, let's just do a literal, let's just list the shows, because it's simultaneously, it's, I'm surprised that it's not as many as I thought it was. Me too, when I wrote it down, I'm like, oh, this is actually tiny. Yes. So we began with WandaVision. Yes. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Hawkeye was immediately after that? Loki. Loki I was next. Of, I forgot about Loki. Then we take a sidestep into their first animated foray with What If. And What If. I don't know why I didn't even include What If. But uh, it's true. Because it's vaguer in terms of canonicity. Right, true. Um, Hawkeye was next around Christmas. Then we had Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. Okay. 
Yeah. So I can't believe I forgot about Loki and What If. But that's the list. That's what this is our phase four content. Um, yes. That are all in this ex- this Marvel experiment. So yeah. right off the bat, I mean, like, can you remember back to when these were being announced and what your thoughts and feelings were about them? Honestly, I had a couple different thoughts. The first one was, especially because it was in the aftermath of, like, around the time they were announcing all of these is when the Star Wars ship really started to sputter in terms of stuff they were announcing was quietly being canceled or changed. Like, Mm -hmm. the Boba Fett, the rumored Boba Fett movie was canned and eventually came back as a spinoff of Mandalorian. Obi-Wan turned into a series. Like, they canceled way more than they were actually making. So a part of me just almost didn't believe we were actually going to get all of these. Um, Because I believe the first wave they announced was WandaVision, Falcon, Loki, and Hawkeye. And then shortly after, they announced Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk as, like, the new one. Like, as, like, the, oh, here's where we're going to meet new characters. Right. Like, it just felt like an, like, almost all of them felt like no-brainers, where I'm just like, yes, this is exactly what you would do a TV series for. This is exactly what Mm. you would do six six to nine episodes worth of content for, where... Like, it just felt like the format made more sense, even before we had, like, a sense of, like, what the scope was. And then the obvious question was just, like, well, how big are we allowed to go with these? Like, right. especially when they announced She-Hulk and Miss Marvel, because you're like, wait, there's going to be so That's... much CGI for these. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, I think at the time we were all still pretty high off of the fumes of Endgame. Right. And I think... Well, that comes to a point that I have about sort of the effect of this series experiment and how we now, like, relate to Marvel content in general. I think it's changed the way that we relate, the way that we... (laughs) How excited, for lack of a better term, that I can bring up at the moment that that we have for these Marvel projects coming up. Um, Let me circle back to my original thought here. So to hear the first few come out, like, you know, these are names we already know. Wanda, Mm -hmm. Vision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Loki, Hawkeye. Like, we all had excitement for those because we were were still... It felt like an expansion pack in terms of... It was a DLC. (laughs) Yeah, it was a DLC. It was like a spinoff comic. It was an opportunity to just get more context for characters we like. Absolutely. For for like a really exciting story that we had just sort of like closed up with and with Infinity War and Endgame and, and that, you know, so so I had a lot of excitement for that. However, I, you know, at the time, the introduction of these new characters like Moon Knight and She-Hulk and things like that, I obviously had a lot of excitement because, you know, I'm a huge She-Hulk fan of the comics. Yes. But I will say, I do think mm-hmm. it's worth noting like, in terms of, like, flipping our credentials around, like, our badge, like, Sydney reads a lot of comics. Like, she's in the weeds in terms of the comics, whereas I'm more casual on the comic side where I'll just, like, check in every now and then to see what my boys are up to. Yeah. And, like, for, for like, that's that's true. But, like, I feel like as of late, I have slipped into the realm of, like, just checking in on my best gal pal, you know? Mm. But, um, but because it just be like that sometimes, but yes, like when I have a new obsession, I just like latch onto it. And I do read a lot of comics and I did certainly like read a lot when, especially when these were announced, I really had even more of a reason to like, well, let me do nothing else but dive into this. Well, I was just going to say, I was so curious about like how, cause like, okay, the spinoff, like they're, the first couple are like spinoff expansion packs. Mm-hmm. Whereas the idea of, like, introducing a brand new hero, mm. like, that was the part that I was having trouble imagining. Because I'm like, are they really... Because we had just been through this with the Netflix shows where, you know, they'll vaguely allude to the fact that things happened. But, right. you know, they'll kind of keep them separate. And, you know, eventually, like, even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at some point started to suggest it was set in an alternate timeline. Like, yeah. That it wasn't in sync with the events of the MCU. Mm-hmm. And... Peggy Carter stays pretty tight within the timeline. Right. Well, that's true. Um, I, yeah, Agent Carter, that one, especially because it's said in the past, just has so much more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And this came back to bite me in the butt because I, I don't know if you remember, I talked a lot of flack because a lot of people thought that Mr. Fantastic or Mephisto was going to show up in WandaVision. And I was just like, guys, they're not going to reveal any major new characters in these. These are mostly going to be characters we already know. And then two shows later, Loki, just out of nowhere, this a-hole with an apple rolls up and goes, hey, I'm Kang. Yeah. Uh, If you kill me, (laughs) the next, like, 12 years of movies start. You can can end the MCU right now if you just be cool. If you want to. Yeah. (laughs) I was in the Mephisto camp, hardcore parkour. Yes, and we can talk about WandaVision in particular because I think that's our favorite of the bunch. But oh hell yeah, and yeah! I will say to these shows' credit, I do think they find an interesting balance of like, and I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit here, but I like the shows because they re- all of them really do feel like they kind of can stand on their own more mm-hmm. than some of the films. Like I don't feel like I need as much context for a lot of these, but at the same time, they're bringing a lot of big stuff to play and sort of right. testing out a lot of big concepts in a more bite-sized fashion which i like yeah and you know what you're highlighting it i think is actually sort of an issue with a lot of these series because i actually had a similar concern going in that i believe that marvel characters deserve a feature-length theatrical release what to be introduced into the mcu which is why there's sort of an effortlessness to WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier and so forth, because we're mm-hmm. already sort of deep into their psyche, their lives. We know them. They're very fleshed out as characters. Um, we have a lot of context going into a series about them where we can just kind of watch them play in these episodic, you know, scenes. However, um like, yeah, there is a lot of, like, exposition and a lot of world building that that I think... <laughs> that, that I think a feature film would serve perfectly for... To introduce a new Marvel character. And so we've had to rely for, for, for all of these. Maybe not so much Moon Knight, but certainly for Ms. Marvel and She-Hulk, I feel like both of those characters for their series had to rely on our context from other characters to fill in the information about what makes them important. Right. You're like, this is the Marvel universe. You know how this works. Yeah. And so they feel as like characters, like sort of smaller, like Ms. Marvel feels smaller than Captain Marvel because we have to inform everything that we know about Kamala Khan, you know, kind of through this Carol Danvers filter and right. fill in the gaps like manually or like independently as as audience members as opposed to like yeah. if she had a feature length film we could feel a little more special about her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I think this was like one of the core things we wanted to talk about. Sort of the value of these series. And I do agree with you because for me and I'll tie this in bigger with my, like, sort of, I'm tired of prestige TV. I'm tired of directors for television show or showrunners being like, well, we thought of it as, like, a six-hour-long movie, and I'm like, then why didn't you just make it two and a half hours, you freaking psychopath? Yeah. Like, because I will say, I love a lot of these, but multiple of them I really do feel like could have been made into movies. Absolutely. Falcon the Winter Soldier, I feel like, definitely could have been a movie. It was a movie that they just made cuts in and they were like see that's an episode that's an episode that's an episode yes to the point where literally the next thing with sam wilson is a movie um yeah loki that one maybe um it could work like yeah yeah hawkeye could have probably worked as a movie it very much has a christmas movie vibe oh like the only ones that i think work as series best is moon knight because it has a lot of ground to cover and she hulk because it's uh nominally a lawyer show which I know you have some strong thoughts about. Well, here's what's interesting about Moon Knight. Moon Knight is actually, I think, the one show here that doesn't rely on any other Marvel lore. Right. And so it, I think it totally works by itself because yes. we don't need any information from any other characters across this universe to have an understanding of this guy, what's going on in his life, and what he's doing. Right. And that's why I am so interested. Like, that is the one that really does feel like a limited miniseries where you're like, mm-hmm. does this, can this, like, what are you even going to do with this? Like, 
mm-hmm. you know, will this character come back or is he just going to exist in his own bubble or is any of this real or is he completely imagining all of this? Right. Um, but it also ties in with, yeah, I do think that is the problem. Uh, like the problem with the characters thing. I was kind of mad when they announced the Miss Marvel series because I'm like, I want Kamala to get a, be on the big screen and she will yep. be. She's going to be in the Marvels. And I guess that's a part of the problem. It's very hard to... We've had a lot of characters jump from the movies to the shows. We really mm-hmm. haven't had the reverse yet. We haven't had a lot of the show characters off the top of my head show up in any of the movies yet. And a part of that is, like, there's also less movies than I thought there were. The films for Phase 4 right. were Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Thor, and what's kind of building up to all of this, Black Panther. Um, I was just going to say what's... I know another point that I had in my notes here was about how overall I feel like these the presence of these series has sort of diluted the energy and like honestly the importance really I'm really just referring to like the pomp and circumstance of 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 a Marvel event. I feel like that has been extremely minimized I think in part by these by these series because you know we don't have like we're not introducing a new hero and then a new movie star. I mean like when you think about mm-hmm. it like we cannot divorce these characters and this like fantastical comic book universe from like the movie stars that that right. join them and so it's like we're excited about inter- being introduced to someone like a Tom Holland, right? Mm-hmm. And it's we, like you are Spider-Man. The yeah. new Spider-Man is here. And it's like, I don't think any of these characters, with the exception of Zocho Gomez. Um, yes, as Miss Marvel. America. Or not, Yeah, Miss America. Chavez. Yeah, America Chavez. Oh, who, like, I think is introduced in the proper way that someone you get introduced in, in an MCU yeah. movie. Like, that's like the classic journey. Yeah, here's the next important hero you need to see. And this is actually a point I really did want to cover because I think it's so interesting that Kevin Feige has talked a lot since phase three of saying, we want to break the mold of a hero origin story. We don't want to keep doing the same Marvel origin. We want to change it up. And that's why like Captain Marvel is told the way it was. And they tried to do stuff different with Doctor Strange. Originally, Doctor Strange, there was a version of the script, allegedly, that just was completely in media's res, like he was already learning magic. Okay. Um, and honestly, looking over the films, I realized, like, there are only two, really, only two of these films are, like, origins. Like, well, mm-hmm. even then, only one of them is Shang-Chi, which is more mm-hmm. the traditional, like, we get introduced to a hero. And even that is kind of, like... You haven't seen Shang-Chi yet, right? You still haven't seen I it? I still haven't. And you know what? I just keep forgetting. If things aren't immediately in front of my face, they don't exist. Yes. Well, I do think, and that ties in with your, like... I agree with you that it's diluted the brand, but I also don't think it has... Let me see if I can explain this. Like, I agree <laughs> with you. Like, the sort of, like, pomp and circumstance of a hero introduction's kind of been gone because, like... Because we're not, yeah, we're introducing heroes on the small screen now and not the big screen. So it doesn't feel it's like, oh, this is the next key player in our great saga. That's why I think I'm so excited to see Namor in Black Panther because it's like, oh, we're introducing a heavy hitter right now. We're introducing one of the big guys. Um, Whereas like now all of the movies feel more like ensemble event things where it's like the next Marvel spectacular is here. It's not about the individual heroes. It's more just about like, oh, here's another exciting chapter in this world. Because, like, mm-hmm. with the exception of Black Widow, Eternals, it's like, ooh, new ensemble film, lots of stars, prestige, No Way Home was all the Spider-Man, every Spider-Man, mm-hmm. Spider-Man at the, it's coming out of the walls, getting exterminated, the spider's everywhere. The spider's uh, everywhere. Doctor um, Strange well, in the Multiverse of Madness is literally about the multiverse and about Wanda. Like, the only mm-hmm. one that's kind of not that is Thor Love and Thunder, and that's just like, hey, you liked... Thor 3, right? What if we do another one like that? Well, it's happening again, yeah. Yay. You know, I think what I mean by, like, the brand kind of losing its specialness is that I feel like pre-Disney Plus, really, and maybe this is more of a conversation about Disney Plus than it is about Mm -hmm. these series, but pre-streaming, like, people, when, when there was a Marvel event... 
Mm-hmm. Like you didn't have to be interested in comic books for for most of the people you know to be going out to just see it out of like mm. curiosity. People are going to go out to see Iron Man whether or not they give a fuck. Right. And now Marvel feels like an option, not like the main event of cinema anymore. Well, well, that's another I don't, you know another conversation. Well, but. I I I do kind of agree. I think you have a really good point there, actually, because especially in the context that like. Other than Spider-Man No Way Home, these things, they're still making money. They're still turning a really good profit. Yeah. But they're not making the, like, like pants-exploding amount of, Hype. like, yeah, dollars. They're not eating the, like, pop culture conscious for so long. Right. Where, but I will say, to the credit of the series, like, I think the best choice Disney Plus has done is making them weekly and not making them binge. Because I will say... WandaVision took up months of discourse. We were talking about right. that thing for months because it would be an entire right. week of like, hey, did you see the episode? Like, I complain about prestige TV and this miniseries culture, but the one thing WandaVision does right, or the thing the MCU does right, is bringing back that water cooler, like, hey, did you catch the show last did you night? Did see this? That's true. Yeah. Did you all see but Seinfeld you know what? last night? Tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, we do have to acknowledge that, you know, and we weren't going to get into too many specifics about each show, but I think there's a lot of reasons WandaVision created so much water cooler talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right. it, it being a weekly installment thing certainly added to that. But this is unlike anything Marvel had like ever created before. Yeah. I think, I think what helps in my head the entire television sort of lineup is the fact that they started with WandaVision, which was Mm -hmm. not the plan. They really wanted Falcon the Winter Soldier to come out. I will say an interesting discussion point about the, like, heroes going from big to small screen is they desperately wanted Black Widow to come out before Falcon the Winter Soldier (laughs) because they wanted the after credit scene reveal of Julia Louis-Dreyfus to Mm. be in the movies first and then have her roll up on the TV show. Because when she rolls up, because that's like a Nick Fury level after credits reveal of, like, superstar actor is now in the MCU. Right. Whereas having her just randomly show up on the TV show, you're kind of just like, what the Oh, she's fuck? here? Yeah. Wait, is that who I think it is? Right. Um, but yeah, I think one of the context things that helps with all this is A, WandaVision coming out first and being so radically different, like especially after like Endgame being just everything, all of it, so much. Everything everywhere all at once? Yes, exactly. Um, and then having Spider-Man No Way Home being like, oh, another chapter in the MCU, baby. Spider-Man um, everywhere all at once? Yeah. Yes. Well, no, no, that was pre. That was just one Spider-Man. But, well, he was in Europe, so I guess he was everywhere in Europe over several weeks. Yeah, all at once. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it... Like, to just have to sit there and wait almost a year for anything Marvel, and then for it to finally come out, be on your laptop and be this nightmare fuel like literally about the first episode there's just a prolonged bit without any music and barely any sound where a man is choking as his wife tearfully tells a witch to stop it oh isn't that i this show really rocks my world and can i just like let us let us go back to that time this was early Mm. 2021 right wasn't it yes this was a time in my life where i was like deep in the seasonal depression everything was shut down i was spending day in and day out in my pajamas like i think most other people were mm-hmm. also in this same exact spot like we were truly like in the dark <laughs> right at this time and this show was totally some sort of life raft <laughs> yeah and i think that lifts up this entire experience more for me because like I, you can't, it's hard to deny that, uh, you know, these things really have changed up what Marvel can and can't do. Like, what are the normal ones? Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Hawkeye, where it's like, okay, these are more Marvel-y, they're quippy, they're action-y. They're yeah, like they're focused around. on the dude. Yeah, they're focused on the dudes. Um, right. <laughs> whereas, like, you know, WandaVision we've discussed, Loki is weird, too. It's, like, tonally mm-hmm. and aesthetically so different uh, mm-hmm. Moon Knight is, like, a genuine delight. Like, again, I didn't think they could do stuff like that. No. New Moon Knight yes. is, is, like, what I would classify as, like, balls to the wall, officially. That's... Yes. 
that one is balls to or the just wall. Goes for it. Yeah. Um, and like Miss Marvel is kind of everything I wish they would do with their Spider Man, but you know Spider Man's a like brand, big brand name, so he has to be in events all the time. Yeah, that's true. And She Hulk Attorney at Law. I know we might have to litigate just this individual one, but like again. The fact that a character breaks the fourth wall is, like, it's nuts. It's nuts that we have yeah. a show where it's like, oh, the reality of this is going to collapse in on itself. And that's okay, because it's funny. Okay, let's, well, let's just settle that elephant in the room right now, the she okay. conversation. Let me just say, I don't like the show. <laughs> okay. And, but I just want to say that I respect and acknowledge and can accept the, pre- like, the fact that people do like the show. Mm. I just don't like it because as i said earlier i am a big she-hulk fan i think i said that earlier yes um i'm a huge fan of she-hulk she's probably my favorite superhero and i've read every comic that she's in ever um and i don't like the show because it just didn't cover the points that i think make her her i don't think it really treats her like her and um, I think it drops the ball, but other people like the show for what it is, and I appreciate that. That's fine. I will say I do agree with you in the sense of I wish it was more of a lawyer show. For all mm-hmm. its jokes about being a lawyer show, there's weirdly not a lot of lawyering. Yeah, isn't um, that interesting? But like the slice of life stuff is all very good, but I'm like, also she's a lawyer. Let's lawyer it up. She's not, and she's. And, like, this is what bothers me, and I don't want to get, like, too far into it, but it's, like, she's not just a lawyer. She's a particularly talented one. She's such a talented lawyer that someone wanted to murder her. Okay. And I, that's how I, she I, This gets is a big sticking point for you. I know this is a big... Because you brought this <laughs> up a lot. You, the big thing that bothers you is they change, like, how she got her powers. They change how they get her powers because her powers... She gets her powers because she is really good. At, she's threateningly good at her job. And that is her point. That's the point. This is a woman who exceeds in a male-dominated industry. And she's so mm-hmm. good that she scares a person into putting out a hit on her. And I think that's important to talk about. Like, that's the whole point. That's how she becomes she And they just like, no, they're not. No, we don't. That's right. not how we're I heard it. an actually interesting argument. Because I agree with you completely in spirit and in theory. But in practice, the problem you just run into, and this is how the interconnectivity of the MCU kind of becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. It's like, in the comics, like, you know, not every superhero knows each other. It's There's a lot more separate pockets that kind of do their own things, and that's that. And particularly in those comics, Bruce Banner is very much like the TV show Bruce Banner, where he's a loner, he's kind of, like, isolated from everything because he's dangerous, whereas now he's, like, a cool guy who's a celebrity. And it's hard to be, like oh my God, my cousin's shot for him not to call Dr. Strange and be like, hey, can you just poof us from hospital to hospital till we find some blood? And it's like, that's it, that's a fault of the MCU, not a fault of the individual writers. Of Like, it, it's a constraint that having interconnectivity gives you. I mean, look, you know how comics are, especially those old comics from, like, the 60s to <laughs> pretty recently actually where the characters just like suddenly there's like oh look a nearby doctor's office i'm going to break down the door and go in there right <laughs> they can just like like comic logic stupid stupid comic book logic can make anything happen <laughs> yeah All right. and that's why I it do... works there but i get what you i totally i actually kind of agree like yeah they bruce banner like the theory that i want for she hulk it relies on a Bruce Banner that is, like, on the run from the man. Yeah, who can't just go into a hospital because he will immediately be... Well, be they will try to arrest him, and then he will get right. ten people killed by accident. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, well, okay, two points. First, I do think, just for the sake of, like, quote-unquote reviews and discussion, mm-hmm. I'm going to challenge us to go through each of these series and both of us give two sentences max on each one. That is how we will keep ourselves from going insane. Agreed. All right. WandaVision, hit me. My favorite. Um, because, and like, if you all watched the Over the Garden Wall, I love to dig into stuff. We mentioned it briefly. This gave me a lot of things to obsessively dig into. And I love me some Elizabeth Olsen. 
Yes. Uh, also love it. It's weird. It's unsettling. It's funny and charming. Mm-hmm. And it captures what I love about film and theater of using huge, fanciful ideas to explain deep inner demons. Absolutely. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, go. Buddy cop movie. I like it. Yeah. Fun, lovable, probably will never watch it again. No, Could too have been preachy. A movie. Yeah. Maybe a touch preachy, but the heart's in the right place. Yeah. And I they're they're funny character. They they are a good odd couple. Yes. Um and I'll save my whole rant about the politics of the the bad guys later. Right. Honestly, you can kind of say the same thing about like it's a, it's the same discussion I've killed with Killmonger. We can litigate that when we do Wakanda forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Loki, the perfect character to do cool cool stuff with. They write in that he was DB Cooper, and I will love the show just for that part. Yes, uh, this was a series I was at least excited for going in because I felt like we had done everything we could with Loki, and instead mm-hmm. it simultaneously becomes a fun, high concept sci fi reality a sort of meta commentary on the nature of villains being stuck in their ways and like how history repeats itself mm-hmm. and also a top tier villain introduction going forward for phase four and five and six. I agree. Loki was good. Uh, what if? Um, I actually didn't even finish all of the what ifs because I felt truly bored with most of them. Yeah. Um, interesting ideas. I like that it's a bit on the dour side because the what if comics usually are, but the animation style kind of loses me and True. There's just kind of a list like there's a weird listlessness to the, all of it. I have to say, I think the animation style actually is the my biggest turnoff from it. But overall, in this whole canon, it feels like an elective that I don't necessarily need to like right. tap into. Yeah, I don't need yeah, I don't need to go to graphic design class, guys. Right. Uh, Hawkeye. <laughs> Brilliant. Very, very yes. good show. Um, weirdly, I didn't know it's... that I liked Hawkeye as a character as much as I do from the show. The show convinced me that no, I actually kind of like this guy. Honestly, that's the best review you can give because, yes, it turns a kind of right. whatever character into a relatable everyman, captures yeah. the perfect Jeremy Renner energy of a grumpus who just wants to spend Christmas with his family in the Big Apple... Right, uh, And as someone who hasn't really been able to enjoy uh, Christmas in New York City as I used to, this is a big right. sort of balm for me. Uh, loved it. It's kind of become my go-to, like, what if I just want something on TV, I'll watch it. And can I just say, I think it offers a, a heartfelt send-off to Natasha that I think she deserves. I don't think it gets mm. enough credit for being... Better than Endgame. Well, it's certainly better than Endgame, and it might even be better than her own damn movie. But yes. I think it it touches on the grief of her absence. Like, good God, at least somebody fucking misses her, right? Yeah. You know, at least her life mattered to someone. To somebody, yeah. And I appreciate the show a lot for showing us that. Agreed. Uh, Moon Knight. Balls to the wall. I want to watch it right now. I love... Oscar Isaac. This is a very good show. Like, this is one of those things that I find myself screaming at people like, you need to watch this. Right. And I have no other words for it. Um, but because it's, it's absolutely, this is just straight up bonkers. It's bonkers. Yes. I, a character who I did not think they would commit to going all the way with, they committed and went all the way they with. They went further, yeah. Yeah. It's crisp. It's beautiful. It's the closest thing. Like, Fucking I don't weird. like throwing the, Yeah. I hate using the word prestige for things, but this is the closest Marvel's done to something that feels like a prestige project where it's like, let's make a piece of art. And that's before yes. we get to a episode ending with a giant hippo coming through a door and saying hi. Ugh, I, I know we're supposed show. to limit it to one sentence, but let me just say, all the critics, when they first saw it, they got to see the first four episodes and they said something happens in episode four that changes everything. And I'm just sitting there waiting and I'm like, okay, we just revealed that mummies are real. That's cool. Right. I mean, nice. that's actually kind of a lot to unpack. Then we're yeah. in the mental asylum and I'm like, well, I kind of saw this coming because it kind of fits the character. Then right. a goddamn hippo opens a door in a wig. and says, Hi. In a, like a hat, yes, on says two legs. Hi. And uh, a, a chapter closes in the history of cinema and a new one opens. 
Right. And I didn't know I wanted to see Oscar Isaac in The Parent Trap, but I do. <laughs> oh, I was trying to figure... I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Oh. <laughs> but uh, I like Ms. seeing Marvel. him do a Parent Trap thing. Um, a really lovable Peter Parker-esque character that um, I really enjoy. Marvel, I think, does its due diligence in honoring um, the Pakistani culture, introducing us to that culture in a really beautiful mm-hmm. way. And I love this character. Just, oh, my goodness, the art style. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. This is done yes. really artfully, but fun and feels really youthful and fresh. Yes. For me, what She-Hulk is to you, Miss Marvel, is to me. I friggin' love this character. Mm-hmm. And as frustrating as it is that she doesn't get her big event moment on the big screen, they crush it. The casting is home run, grand slam, shatter the bat, as the ball goes in, like Shohei Otani levels of satisfying baseball craft, <laughs> nailed it. Um, I will say, uh, it it almost feels like it it either needed to be a movie or they needed more episodes because I feel so bad for this poor girl because right. her status quo changes after every goddamn episode. Oh my Literally, gosh! Literally every episode, it's like I have superpowers now. Oh, I'm meeting the cele- uh, the, the 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 clandestine. They don't seem nice. Uh oh, they're evil. Oh, they're I'm evil. gonna hang out with these. I guess I'm going to Pakistan. Oh, right. I have this cool new mentor oh, figure. God. Oh, he's dead. Um, it was way too much. This was two yeah. movies. It was literally, yeah, it was like two seasons worth of content. Yeah. <laughs> and then She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, which we kind of covered already. Yeah, my two sentences would be like, not for me as a diehard fan, but I enjoy that other people like it. Um, mine would be... Oh, gross she- CGI. Even, yeah. Even I... after their tweaks, like, yes. to send it back to the kitchen. No, thank you. This is not what I ordered. Um, yes, mine would just be... Uh, it's it feels like what people wanted Agents of Shield to be, but they could not get like enough cameos and star appearances. Oh, well, okay, that's one example of movie star going to the shows. Wong, but that doesn't feel like it counts. He just no, likes being in things. Yeah, and we he, like. He just likes showing around here. Yeah, we all agree. The show literally hangs a lamp on it, where it's like, give yeah, him he's a just show? like, he's just a good emergency poll. See, he would be a great show in terms he of would. like, okay. Maybe we don't have a movie's worth of content here, but we do have a lot of fun, episodic ideas. Yeah, he's a guy that I'd want to see do stuff. Yeah, and I think that's one of my frustrations with the TV shows in general. A bunch of these, it doesn't feel like you had an idea... It feels like you had an idea for a movie, but realized you could make it cheaper so you can stretch it out into a TV show. As opposed to, we have... We might not have a whole movie's worth of ideas here, but we have a lot of great ideas. Right. Like, I feel like WandaVision gets put in its own little corner because that only works as a TV show. I'm like jumping from history, like through different periods of television history doesn't work in a movie. Right. And I think that's kind of the, the yeah, that's right. This is the only formula that it works because it, it takes cues from real life TV shows. Right. It's supposed um, to be about TV. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make sense as well. to be a film. Otherwise. Yeah. Um, I will say, on the note of the CGI budget, I will say, overall, one of my bigger reliefs with this entire experiment is, for the most part, you can make these things look great. Like, I really was curious what a TV budget MCU thing would look like, and the answer is, well, this isn't a TV budget. This is a TV plus budget. Like, these shows are gorgeous. The action is really, really good. Like, really, the only flub is She-Hulk, and that's because, well, that's a really bold experiment for television. It really is. I will die on this hill. This may have worked for Bruce Banner and Smart Hulk and whatever, but, like, just fucking paint her. Like, I'm watching Guardians of the Galaxy. The entire cast is covered in prosthetics and paint. Paint one lady and put her on stilts. Put her on one of those, like, rafter things so that she's taller than everybody else and their eye line is correct. And have a nice time. Again, it's another one where I'm like, they really wanted to get... They really wanted to get her actual mocap facial expressions, and I respect that. But at the same time, it's Shrekky. It'll get better. I hope they put her in a movie and let her lampshade that she looks better. Hopefully. That is what I'll say about that. Yeah, I will say, in terms of like the criticisms of the MCU shows, and this is something I wanted to talk about that I was kind of hinting at before we started. For me, even just discussing Marvel has gotten so difficult because mm. 
I feel like 90% of Marvel discourse is, well, not 90%, that's melodramatic. But, but it's, it's always grossly, like people that like comic book movies and people that don't. Yeah. It just feels like so much of it is done in bad faith because it's like, it's a combination of, I mean, it's a lot of confluence of things. People who aren't getting the movies they want can blame Marvel. Producers who don't get to make the movies they want can blame Marvel. Marvel is the biggest game in town, and they're basically the most unimpeccable brand. Like, Thor Love and Thunder was still considered a disappointment because it made, like, three times its budget and not four. Right. Like, that is an example. Like, that's how golden they are. They're the Pixar level right now, or, like, mm-hmm. golden era Pixar of, like, oh, you're just better than everyone else? Okay, well, how does this film compare to the last one you did? Right. On top of the fact that so much of, like, the discourse on film is just overrun with people who have made it their personal brand to be really, really angry about Marvel all of the time. Mm. To the point where I'm like, do you even like this? Yeah, that's become a personality type. Right? Like, to the point, especially with She-Hulk, because, like, the minute she twerks, I'm like, oh, my God, this is just going to be the rest of the years. This is Mm -hmm. going to be brought up every fucking time a Marvel thing comes out, isn't it? Like, we're never going to escape the twerk. Um, <laughs> and the fact that, like, people are like, oh, Stan Lee's rolling his grave. And it's like, She-Hulk comics have had stuff like this for years. And the fact that you don't know that, well, maybe not twerking necessarily, but, like, it's sort of cheesecake-y The stuff. cheesecake, no, the twerking is the only thing I agree with. That it makes right. 100% sense that She-Hulk would twerk. Of course she is because that's yeah. a part of it and this like even when oh my god that's what i loved um <laughs> when um um when they first announced she hulk and people were like oh great they're just making female versions of every male character and i'm like no this is stanley's idea but okay yeah again literally her origin was like the bionic was it the $3 million man? It was like one show in the 80s had a spinoff show that was a woman. And yeah, Marvel like, was like, fuck, what if CBS the Hulk show makes a female was, Hulk? Yeah, CBS, I think they were like, we're going to make a She-Hulk. And then Stanley was like, no, I am making it first. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, and then I'll I make it first it, so we get can't. the rights. Right, ha, yeah, got it. He, again, like, this was he lifted his head out of the pool of Coke and was like, right. oh, sh- oh, I got to nah. start writing. Yeah, this was this was pure pettiness. And that that She-Hulk was born from. Yeah. And, like, I will say, I don't know. I don't really like talking about Marvel fatigue because I feel like we're skewed because we're in this stuff all the time. Like, we're on Twitter all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the average person is not on social media looking at movie stuff as much as us. Right. So, like, for us, it feels like this is just omnipresent. It feels like we're always in it. Whereas, like, the average person goes, oh, a new Marvel movie is out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. That was nice. <laughs> and then they move on with their lives. But I do think, like, it is weird to think, like, because when I look at this list of Phase 4 shows, I'm like, this isn't really that many. Right. Like, three a year is not, doesn't feel like that much. But when you compile it with the TV shows, it's like, yeah, there really isn't a point in time where a Marvel thing isn't out now. And that is True. a little overwhelming. Like, okay, but like, like, I think one of the best things... Is this similar, like, because we privately have talked about the Star Wars fatigue, and this somehow feels different. I think, well, I think it's a different kind. I think they're just fundamentally different because Star Wars, well, for starters, we went 20 years without a Star Wars thing. Like, we've had multiple, like, 20-year stretches where there wasn't a Star Wars movie in anything. And also, like, Star Wars feels more like a prestige brand. Like, you know, yeah. Star Wars. Like, you know, critics like Star Wars, you know. Like <laughs> right. Important film people talk about how genius how Star Wars is. Aliens Marvel, and critters. Yes. With their, yeah, even though it's a movie about little, like. Rabbit things. Uh, little people wearing fur suits mm-hmm. fighting space fascists. Um, yeah. Uh, an alien uh, Hitler octopus. Yes. Guy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas Marvel has basically since, like, what, Age of Ultron been like, ah, there's too many of these things. Ah, it's, it's, it's popcorn. It's spectacle material. Yeah. Like, I don't wholly disagree with Martin Scorsese's take of, like, they're making movies into roller coaster rides, 
because if I hear one more person complain about the lack of cameos in Multiverse of Madness, I'm going to grab them by their collarbones, like, deep into the skin and scream at them. <laughs> because I'm so tired of hearing about that. Do people say um, that? I actually haven't heard that one. No, no. Like, they don't say it implicitly, but they get really mad about, like, oh, we thought the Illuminati were going to be a bigger part of this. And, like, there were so many wild rumors going around. People are really mad about the cameos. And it's so telling that people are so mad that the guy who wrote Multiverse of Madness and also WandaVision is getting to write Secret Wars and Kang Dynasty. And it's like, if he put freaking Tom Cruise as Iron Man and if he brought back Toby Spider-Man, you guys would be drooling over yourselves about this. But because he made two actual things, like he made like content, like he made arts and not just cameo fests, um, like you guys hate this. Right. And I will say that is... Like, I, I, I complain, well, I note that, like, we haven't had a lot of, like, the movie stars go into the shows as much as you would have thought or would have liked. Yeah. But at the same time, one of the biggest things I haven't liked is the inclusion of Daredevil characters, because I'm like, ugh, this feels, I don't know, this feels mm-hmm. like you're just trying to get us to, like, stand up and cheer. Yeah, yeah, it does feel strange to hear whispers of us, like, reaching back to those, like, weird one-off Netflix things like daredevil mm-hmm. and what's her name and what's his name you know i'm th- talking about what are their names um, Why jessica jones luke cage yeah. yes those were exactly the what's their faces that i was thinking of but it's like there's more whispers of like jessica jones stuff because i'm pretty sure she hulk is somehow involved in well she hulk is involved in everybody but um because you know for superheroes you never she's think about how much decks. lawyering that they need and she's lawyered right. everybody right Although I say that, and I'm like, well, at least with Daredevil, even though this feels gratuitous, at least, like, I will say, I hate to admit it, I like their versions of Kingpin and Daredevil so much more. Really? Um, I actually kind of hate it. And that's also, like, I'm grading all of these on the curve of, like, I I really didn't like 90% of the Netflix stuff. Other than, like, season one of Jessica Jones, most of Luke Cage, and the bits of Daredevil with Kingpin. Mm. And, well, Punisher was good, I guess but I'm also not a big Punisher guy. Hmm. Um, like, but yeah, the fact that Daredevil is like likable and charming, they acknowledge he's a bit of a cad. And also like, he feels like a guy who would call himself Daredevil. Where he's yeah. like constantly like clowning on this giant green woman who could crush his windpipe. And also he's <laughs> doing like crazy acrobatics. I'm like, yes, this feels accurate to the name Daredevil. Good. Right. Good job. You get a star. <laughs> um, I guess like, and I guess, like, as we're sort of, like, I don't know how many more notes you have, but I really wanted to talk about, like, taking all of these together and saying, like, I don't know, there's really been a lot of discourse with Phase 4 of, like, oh, they don't have a plan, where are we going with all of this? And I'm also, like, this goes into the criticism thing, where I'm like, girl, you just complained that these things were too interconnected. What do you want? Like, yeah. what do you want these to be? Are you just, like, could we, like, like, I hate to say let people enjoy things, but, like, right. you're actively not happy with anything, so I don't know what to tell you. Well, here's, I'll tell you how I feel going forward with every new announcement, you know, with the idea of Kang and, like, Secret Wars. Like, I feel very scattered. I, mm-hmm. I feel that, like, my Marvel energy is sort of been diffused over all of these series in like a thousand different directions in terms of story mm-hmm. as where before yeah. it was like, you know, and, and you know how like all of the Marvel movies can be put into a singular timeline of events. Mm-hmm. It's like, I feel like yes. we're losing that ability to do that. And therefore mm-hmm. my linear brain is losing the ability. Like I'm sensing a bit of overwhelm when I think about yes. the future of Marvel. Well, see, that is a criticism that I think is valid because you described electives. And I will say, if there's one thing these shows have done, it is added to the electiveness of things where it's like, oh, this is a pocket of the universe that you don't, if you're not interested in, you don't have to do. Which, to be fair, is more accurate to the comics in the sense of like, well, there's the cosmic bunch, there's the street level bunch, there's the international bunch, there's the... But at the same time, does that necessarily work in like television and film form? Right. Um... I would say, see, here's my underlying, if I was going to say there was like a theme to phase four, Kevin Feige's described phase four as introducing new people. Like everything was about adding one new important character to the piece. And I don't think, I mean, obviously that's true, 
but I think it's a little bigger than that. I think it, I think what phase four, and especially I think a lot of the shows did was sort of playing with our, like, not with our exhaustion, but our sense of finality with everything. Like Endgame yeah. was so big. It was so huge. You're like, how could it get any bigger than this? And when right. you go out of Endgame, you're like, I kind of feel like I have this universe figured out. And this entire phase has very much been about like, oh, you thought you knew how bad things could get. You don't even know. Know the type of it, yeah. Because I think about it, it's like Moon Knight just casually introduced, one, it casu- like it casually introduces the idea of another pantheon. Like the idea mm-hmm. of like, oh, it's not just the Gr- Norse gods. The Greek gods are running around. The Egyptian gods. They're like all of these pantheons who if something happened to them, would upset the delicate balance of everything. Right. Ms. Marvel introduces the idea that Shang, both Shang-Chi and Ms. Marvel introduce the idea of, like, basically parallel worlds with ours. Not separate planets. Mm-hmm. Separate, like, planes Reality. on our dimensions. earthly plane. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, basically dimensions. Obviously, Loki's entire thing is, like, oh, there are multiverse, like, there's a multiverse that's about to break loose. And when it breaks loose and those threads get disconnected, things can get really ugly really fast. They're right. fucking mummies now. Right, Like that we have to worry I, about. Like, I, like, it's so interesting. Like, it feels like one of the common themes of this phase has been, like, like, the Avengers Initiative simply isn't enough. Like, mm-hmm. the idea, like, what the hell? Like, Thanos was a single alien with a plan. He wasn't invincible. People could kill him. He's been killed in multiple, like, dimensions. Right. He just happens to be really strong. Eternals are giant, or, like, the Celestials in the Eternals are giant alien gods. Like, what the hell are the Avengers going to do about that? And, you know, they, this idea that you're mentioning, it gets touched on, like, very briefly in the beginning of Endgame. Who, who was it that, that said that to to carol danvers was it rocket or war machine that was like and where have you been and she's like dude like i fight aliens like fuck off all the time yeah Yeah, it's like the idea of like i feel like like it's this idea that there are so many like basically hidden worlds in the mcu right that are just being a lot like now that the balance of power is upset and like that most of the old guard is gone, have a win, like basically a power vacuum. Right. And it's interesting how like threatening, like I was thinking about this as I was like brainstorming ideas for this discussion, where I just really was thinking about like how threatening the MCU feels right now. Like it re- like, and it helps that everything's been so scattered and there hasn't been like cohesion with all the teams where like Doctor Strange has kind of been busy with his own thing. Thor is on a soul journey. Spider-Man is flying by the seat of his pants. And Falcon and Winter Soldier are just trying to keep it together. Like, like it feels like there's this huge vacuum where things could get really, really bad really, really fast. And we don't have a team ready to go. You want to know what the problem is? There is no more Tony Stark. And right. this the entire MCU is sort of like threads off of the braid that is Tony Stark and Stark Industries. Yeah, but I like that. Like, I like that basically the meta-commentary, the meta-criticism of, like, well, now that Iron Man's gone, it feels like, you know, now that the main Avengers are gone, it feels like everything's branched off. I like that that's also a part of the plot of this universe now. Right. Uh, like, even but something as simple as... there's a part of me that wants, to, that needs it to come back. Like, I need an Avengers. I need a home team. And maybe I'm missing, like, maybe I'm reading too much into this. Maybe this is, all of this, like, meta commentary is by accident. But, like, I like that they're playing off our tension. I like that they're playing off our discontent with, like, where are we going? What is happening? Mm -hmm. Who's at the steering wheel? I actually think that's an interesting, thematically rich space to play in that is going to come to a head. Which, because... the. Start of phase five is quantum mania. Like that's when we get Kang Prime or whatever, and that's when it's like okay, now we can't play around. Like the Eternals could handle the Celestials, Doctor Strange could keep the multiverse for, from collapsing, but now we're going up against something way, way bigger, and we gotta get a plan mm. in motion now. Mm. Um, do you have any final thoughts as we continue on? This has been a really good talk. Um... You know, I mean, we talk comics a lot. We're, are we comic people? I don't know. 
I think it's so relative at this point. Because, like, so much of what comics is now is these shows. Like, Marvel has been pretty candid about, like, you know, we want the stories we write today to be the next 10 years of MCU content. Um, I guess for me, what do you want to see from these shows going forward? If I'm being totally honest, and, like, maybe this is me yearning for, like, an older world, but um, I don't want any more. Thank you. I've had enough. (laughs) Yeah, I... (laughs) I'm good. I love these. Good job. But, like, I am ready to go, and I hate this phrase, back to normal. In the sense that, like, I would like to return to the pomp and circumstance of how special Marvel used to feel. I don't want to show up to a movie theater and see these. It is telling that as, like, ho-hum as we kind of are about Captain Marvel at times... Like, they did a, do a great job hyping it up in the sense of, like, this is Absolutely. the Avenger. This is the Avenger you've been waiting for. Right. It's time. We're breaking out the Captain Marvel. Right. Um, and it's interesting that you use the phrase, go back to normal. Because for me, these series are, like, endlessly tied to COVID. They're endlessly tied oh, to the pandemic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They became a solve during the pandemic that kept the MCU, like, in the social conscious. Again, like, it's broken my heart that i haven't really been able to be a part of the new york scene for so long and mm-hmm. getting to see this like movie-fied version of like new york city in the christmas really helped me like mentally oh my god i could have done uh save the city as the opening son of a bitch i could have done the hawkeye song the uh rogers the musical yes i forget even how it goes oh i love that so much oh that would have been a good intro I'll save it. I'll save it. I'll save it. There'll be more Hawkeye stuff. They're going right. to do Lady Hawkeye. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately, I just feel like their genie's been out of the bottle, where it does feel like the movies are going to be more team-up events, and the TV series are going to be character introductions, and then the TV special, the Marvel special presentations will just be a third thing. Like, that'll yeah. be their... I don't know what those are going to be. Like, are they all going to be holiday-themed? Are those going to be where we introduce characters? Are those yeah. going to be... There's a lot of weird wiggle room. And I feel like as we get more of those announced, it'll become clear what each tier of the MCU is, but... You know um, what I really want? I feel like I just... I want... I want less of the pressure of telling the story of this universe to be put on the streaming service. I want the big anchoring story points to be feature-length, theatrical mm-hmm. release... And I just want to, I, if if I we do return to these Disney Plus series, I just want them to be romps. I want to see yeah. the characters that we know romp like, around. Yeah. Well, that and that's what we were talking about with WandaVision and Loki and Falcon, where it's like, you know, I wouldn't describe Loki as a romp. It's kind of depressing, actually. The bit that, Neither is Falcon uh, where Soldier, they go, yeah. yeah. The bit where they go to, like, future Alabama where a hurricane's about to kill a lot of people. I get actual anxiety from that because of how mm-hmm. uncomfortably real that bit is. The idea of climate change in the MCU is scary. Um, but, like, you know those those two little, like, shorts with Thor? And yes. um, <laughs> where, like, whoa, what was he doing during um, Civil yeah, War? Yeah, funny thing happened. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yes. Like, yeah, uh, well, what they used was to have so a brand for doing? that. There was mm. the Marvel one-shots, and they would always be attached to DVDs. That's what it's called. And honestly, if anything, I kind of want the series to get slightly closer to that, where it's like, yeah. are you not going to be able to enjoy this if you, like, this is our, you know, maybe we'll add more lore, maybe we'll, like, you know, these characters will be in a different place when they get to the movies because of these series, but I want them to be able to just be, like, yeah, I want them to be people, I don't want to have the pressure of a new character being introduced and hyped up here. I want mm-hmm. the characters we haven't who haven't gotten the spotlight yet to, you know, get their day in the sun, get to show Absolutely. why they were considered important enough to be movie characters. Agreed. Yeah, we're in an interesting place with the MCU, and we will be once again diving back in this month when it's time to return to Wakanda. Oh, I can't wait. And until that time comes, I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. And that was Marvel Minute. Thanks for listening.
The Disney Desk is written, produced, and edited by Sydney Nicole Barkley and Carter Glace. Please follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk or send us an email at podcastdisneydesk at gmail.com. Want to support the magic? Use the link in the show notes to make a donation to the Disney Desk podcast. We would greatly appreciate it.